Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Softening, uh, concealed actions and remembrance. Although we spent uh, quite a bit of time speaking about hasad and al-ayn as well, and how that comes when a person's actions sometimes are done openly, then we un- uh, inadvertently get, a, uh, you know, attract a, te- a good, not good attention towards ourselves. So that was one uh, section that we covered. Today we'll start with a section on humility and fear. Hassan radiallahu anhu said that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu said, يَقُولُ الله عز وجل وعزتي لا أجمع على عبدي خوفين ولا أجمع له أمنين إذا أمنني في الدنيا أخفته يوم القيامة وإذا خافني في الدنيا أمنته يوم القيامة Allah عز وجل says, by my might, I will, I will not combine two fears for my slave, nor will I combine two securities for him. When I make him secure in this world, I will make him fearful on the day of rising. And when he fears me in this world, I will give him security in the day on the day of rising. So this hadith this hadith Qudsi, Allah Azza wa Jal is saying that a person has to taste fear either here or in the akhirah, and has to enjoy a sense of security either here or in the akhirah. So if someone feels extremely safe over here, then he will be afraid on the day of judgment. And if he feels afraid over here, then he will feel safety and security in the akhirah. From this, we understand the importance of leading a life, being afraid of our ending, being afraid of which direction we will be headed in the hereafter, being afraid of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's wrath. It is much better, obviously, to be afraid now than to be having to be afraid tomorrow on the Day of Judgment. سالم بن عبد الله بن عمر رضي الله عنه نرى ذا كعب رضي الله عنه سأل لو أن رجلا كان له مثل عملي سبعين نبيا لا خشية أن لا ينجو من شر يوم القيامة. It's mentioned that even if a man were to perform the actions of the likes of seventy prophets, he would still fear that he would not be saved from the evil on the day of judgment. Even if a man were to perform the actions the likes of seventy prophets. He would still fear that he would not be saved from the evil of the day of judgment. Meaning the only thing a person will have hope and can have hope on would be the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Otherwise, person's actions, person will never think that his actions will get him anywhere. Even though 70, even one prophet is more than sufficient. 70 prophets, that huge amount of good deeds. How is that possible that he's not going to get safety? But this is the reason that this tells us how uh, the tajalli uh, of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's anger, how Allah's anger will be manifested on the day will be to such, a, such an extent that absolutely everyone will be afraid. And you know the famous hadith, hadith al-shafa'ah, we all know, where every single, where the ummah will be, where the humanity will be going to every nabi asking them for intercession. And every nabi will be just saying that nafsi, nafsi. I cannot be tasked to intercede on your behalf. I am afraid about my own self. I need forgiveness myself. I need protection myself. I need to. I need Allah Subhanahu wa Taala's help myself. I cannot be asking about you, the whole ummah or humanity. 
until he'll come to Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So it's a very authentic hadith. So uh, this is exactly what it means that even anbiya will be worried about themselves. So if a person has a daraja of seventy anbiya, even al-kathra seventy used seventy is usually used to show a large number, he still will be afraid. That's why uh, when we when we're able to accomplish. You know, when we're able to accomplish something, let's say we did a khatm al-Qur'an, our own, or in tarawih, or we fasted, alhamdulillah, now 10 days, there should definitely be a sense of happiness and joy over the fact that we've been able to achieve this. But we cannot have a level of uh, fearlessness that everything is set. What else you want me to do? I've already done one khatm. I've already fasted 30 days. I've already done this. I've, I've given so much in Allah's path. So a good hope, Having hope with Allah is, is nice, is necessary, is good. But that should not be, uh, you know, conflated with absolutely, you know, losing fear. You know, in the dunya as well, you see someone who is very close to, uh, say, an extremely powerful government official. Uh, right? So he says, oh, I can go have tea at his office, I can go to his home, this, that, that. I'm very close, I go in and out. He's a very powerful judge, very powerful. Oh, he's, a, he's a prime minister or he's a king. But that will still, he knows that this person, I'm very close to him, but he's still the king. He's still the judge. He's still a powerful minister. He's still head of security. I don't want to cross the line. If I do something, if I come on his bad side, he's still continuing to do whatever he needs to do. I should not allow myself to be misguided thinking that since I am so close, hence he's stripped of his powers. His powers are still as evident as ever before. That doesn't give you and I a right to... Uh, you know, trample over his position. So if this is with humanity, imagine with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, how careful we have to be. Allah is Allah, as, as, as uh, close as one may claim to be to him, but his power is fully there to destroy a person instantaneously and to, to, send him to, to make him shaqi, to make him wretched and send him to hellfire forever. This is why uh, the, we have to strike that balance of being grateful, happy, and thankful for whatever good deeds we've been able to achieve, while at the same time being afraid that our actions may not be accepted, while being afraid that Allah that ikhlas and sincerity was not present. This is why the Salaf would spend six months preparing for Ramadan and six months after Ramadan simply weeping over the fact, what if their Ramadan would not get accepted? So half of the year is spent in preparing for Ramadan. The next half of the year after Ramadan is spent in begging Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for acceptance. That is why after every single, at the end of every salah, right before we say, As-salamu alaykum wa rahmatullah, As-salamu alaykum wa rahmatullah, in our tashahud, whether it was this asr salah we just performed or any other salah, we recite, Allahumma inni zalamtu nafsi zulman kathira. In the riwayah of Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu narrated by Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anhu. Oh Allah, I have oppressed myself immensely. Zalamtu, I have oppressed the nafsi, myself, zulman, and oppression. Kathiran, immense oppression. Large oppression. Abundant oppression. A lot of oppression. And no one will forgive the sins. No one can forgive the sins. No one can forgive the sins. Except for yourself. Faghfirli. So forgive me. Faghfirli. From your end. So forgive me from your end. From warhamni and grant me mercy. Indeed, you are most forgiving, most merciful. So if you recite, if you listen to the translation of the dua, you'll be thinking, wow, after what huge sin is this dua recited? <laughs> right? This dua must be recited after you've done some horrible things. 
But this is the dua we 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 are taught to recite in salah every single day, five, multiple times, not just fard, but sunnah and nafil. So we are reciting this, you know, tens of times per day, after performing the most sublime action called salah. So if this is the dua after such a powerful salah uh, action called salah, does just tells you that what is the issue here? The issue is the fear of not being accepted, the fear of not having of of not being of good quality. We're not doing a favor to someone. You know when a person sends in an application form to a college and he doesn't think that I've done a favor by applying to a Ivy League school or something like that or some medical school. He doesn't think like that. He does, he puts so much effort meticulously planning, preparing that application, writing this letter, getting multiple recommendation letters. And then after he sends it, he goes to the masjid and prays. He fasts. He says, Ya Allah, I hope I get accepted into this college. He is not thinking that because I did the actions, I have done ihsan upon the college that I applied. Instead, he is hoping that all the, he paid the application fee and he filled out all his forms. He is hoping the college will have ihsan upon him and the college will be kind enough to accept his application. So when we do our ibadah, we are not doing a favor to Allah. We're not doing a favor to the deen. We're not doing the favor to Islam. We're not doing a favor to Rasulullah sadiqeen. Rather, it is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has guided you who Allah, it is Allah who, what I should, yamunnu, but, but it's rather Allah who has the right to boast His favors upon you that He guided you to Iman. It is the right, Allah has the right to boast His favors upon you that He has guided you to Iman, to faith. In Qudum Sadiqeen, if you are truthful, if you're honest. Today I was speaking to someone who, subhanAllah, has been blessed with Islam <clears throat> and he was a convert. And he was telling me how he would attend the tafsir that's here on Tuesdays as a non-Muslim for about a year and a half. Every day, imagine, he's snow, sleet, he would come to listen to the dars uh, without even being a Muslim from 40-50 minutes away. And because it, something in his heart just kept on telling him that, you know what, the religion I'm on is just not right. Uh, and there's just it's falseness in it. And there's Islam's. It's, he was gravitating towards Islam. He, he was telling me that he was in Turkey uh, some years back with his entire family on the way overseas to his back home. And he stopped in Turkey. They did a family trip, stopover, layover. So he said we went and toured the Blue Mosque and other beautiful masjids there, architecturally appealing, naturally. You know, there's non-Muslim tourists, so they're looking and they're just amazed at the architecture. And he said I wasn't looking at the buildings. I was looking at the people praying and I was looking, what is a sajda? Like, what is a sajda, right? What, what do you do when you prostrate, when you put your head down? What is, these, what is the beauty of this thing? This is interesting. He said, I would just be looking at humans doing their sujood, Muslims doing their sajda. <clears throat> then he said, we went back to the hotel and you know, everyone fell asleep. And then he said, after a while, the adhan was called and I was the only one awake. He said, how is that? I was the only one awake. He said, I ran down to the lobby and reception and I said what is this recording or what they said no this is the call to prayer there is a mosque right across the street of the hotel so he said I left my family and I went across the street to a, a small a masjid that was super small you know mashallah the masjid is there even small but they have beautiful minarets and everything he said a small prayer hall he said I just sat in the back of the masjid and I watched the people praying I was alone not my siblings not my parents it was just myself watching these people across the street from our hotel while our parents and uh, everyone was sleeping I don't know if it was Fajr or Isha or what it was. <clears throat> and then he said after, after that, just these type of incidents kept on happening where I would be just gravitating towards the masjid, gravitating towards Salah, just thinking that, you know, with the type of uh, faith that I'm invited towards or I've been born into is just not right. Um, 
And mashallah, he was just saying it was, it was during the height of COVID, right before Ramadan, maybe one, two, three days before Ramadan. Someone told him, a friend of his said, what are you contemplating? He said, yeah, I'm just, I'm already internally, I'm Muslim. I'm already attending, he I used to go to Jummah and everything, but he hadn't taken the Shahada. So his friend told him, brother, it's COVID. We're the peak of COVID. Pe- people are dying left and right. No one's even showing up to the grave. What if you die? He said, you're right. That could happen. He said, let's go right now. So he said, subhanAllah, just a couple days before Ramadan, he, he was blessed to go and uh, accept Islam. He took Shahada, you know, right? And then he said, I, was, uh, I went to go pray my first Jummah and I was like, uh, not as a Muslim yet. He, he, prayed, he went to the masjid to Jummah before accepting Islam. So he was <clears throat> wondering how he's going to break, break this news to his parents and his family. And he was hiding it already that he's contemplating Islam. Then he came home, it was his birthday. So they're all waiting for him at home that he's going to be celebrating the birthday. And instead he's coming from Juma. So he said his mom just point blank asked him, did you convert to Islam, right? She knew he was thinking about it. He said, I couldn't lie. And so I thought, okay, game over now. I probably have to pack up and leave the house. It's going to be a, it's going to be a horrible ending to our... Uh, to this whole saga and you know like I mean this is done so he said they were all surrounding me in my, be- in my bedroom I went in and they just grilled me from all, from all directions what are you doing are you seriously leaving uh, our faith and planning to go to Islam and this that and he said it was just literally even though I was not even a Muslim yet I had gone for Jummah but I feel like Allah had accepted my dua as a non-Muslim because Allah made it so easy within a matter of a couple of hours that whole uh, process ended and everyone accepted me to be, I choose my faith. And they said, okay, amicably, you know, you know to, in a nice, calm manner, <clears throat> you can choose to live however you want to live. We're not going to interfere. He said, this is not something I would have ever expected. Then officially accepted Islam. And he said, I saw the barakah in Ramadan, before Ramadan. He went through certain halat and conditions. May Allah make it easy for him. But now he was saying, that again I feel that there's some special thing with Ramadan that again right before Ramadan came in there was a, uh, there was a huge change of heart from his parents side because there was some difficulty in the past few years and once again everything 180 degree change then no problem you want to continue your faith we're not going to f- force you either way you know you choose so as he was I mean this is uh, you know spoke to me for some time mashallah as the stories he was telling me the one thing that is very obvious is really if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to give hidayah and guidance to someone, the way He will give it is in an amazing manner. Right? It will just come in your heart. You'll just, you, it will come in your heart that you need to go here. You need to talk to someone. You need to leave this. You need to get up from here. Right? That internal button that gets turned on, switched on by Allah. Allah chooses who, whoever He wishes and guides whoever, he, whoever turns to Him. But the key thing is, there needs to be humility, humbleness, and desire. Now I'll tell you on the flip side of it. <clears throat> he was telling me, he said, I'm trying to go learn Tajweed with my Quran teacher, Arabic teacher. So he said, <clears throat> I started reading translation of the Quran first. I'm sure he read cover to cover the translation before he even got a chance to read that. Learn how to read Arabic. He said, now I'm, I'm learning how to read Arabic. I'm sitting with my Quran teacher, I'm excited that I'm learning Arabic, but I've read the English already, so I know what I'm reading. So he said, I asked my Quran teacher, you're 15 years of teaching, how many times have you read the translation? Have you learned the Arabic language? He says, no. He said, you never read the translation even once? He says, no. He said, I just don't understand that. I, I was so curious after accepting Islam that I cannot just, I'm just, I know there's a book of Allah, it's in Arabic, I don't know a word of Arabic, but I want to know what Allah says. So immediately I started reading a translation. How do you find it 
How do, you, how do you just get yourself to be able to teach, read Quran and not even know what Allah is saying? Like, how does that happen? And then he was saying, well, this is the norm. This, unfortunately, this is like most Muslims don't know what the Quran says. Don't read what the Quran has never gone through an, a, a, a tafsir or a translation of the Quran. So what, what, what we're seeing here, that seriously, some people, subhanAllah, they understand it, right? Because they, did through, they went through sacrifice. And others, they're born into it and there's no value. So you have this... You know, what is the goal is that if you, are, if you are sincere, Allah will guide you. You have the flip side of it. His environment is horrible. He was telling me the only safe spot I have is a masjid in my own bedroom. He said, you tell me, you say in the talks that you have to lower your gaze. I don't have to lower the gaze outside. I have to lower the gaze in my own home. Because there's so much sin happening within my own house. The only safe spot is my bedroom and the masjid. But so if you are sincere, Allah, look how Allah guided him. And if a person is not sincere, he says, no, I am too, uh, I want to have my own version of Islam and I want to be unmasked. I don't want to go to the masjid. This is what we're talking about. I don't want to go to the masjid because I don't feel comfortable. It's not the issue about being comfortable. You're coming to the masjid not because of me or not because of anyone else. We come to the masjid because of Allah. You can sit in a corner and do prostrate and make sujood and speak to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's it. No one's going to bother you. So people may say, my masjid, the masjid paint color is this or the roof color is this. Or the, uh, this is this type of ethnicity in that masjid, or this type of masjid politics. Let's leave all that. The masjid is Allah's house. Our job, if sincerely we are trying to find Allah, we will find Allah Azza wa That's it. We have to be sincere in our search for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so, arrogance, Allah Azza wa is not going to guide an arrogant person. But when a person is sincere and humble, he will find Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will definitely be waiting to guide him. Mubarak ibn Fudala narrated that Hassan rahmanullah said, لَقَدْ مَضَى بَيْنَ يَدِكُمْ أَقْوَامٌ Men have passed before you, the likes of whom, لَوْ أَنَّ أَحَدَمْ أَنْفَقَ عَدَدَ هَذَا الْحَصَى لَخَشْيَ أَنْ لَا يَنْجُوَ مِنْ عِظَمِ ذَلِكَ الْيَوْمِ The likes of whom would still fear not being saved from the immensity of the Day of Judgment, even if they have given in charity an amount like the pile of pebbles. The amount, pile of pebbles, on the street or somewhere, equivalent to this dirham, gold and silver coins, if they spent, we're talking millions, they still would be afraid that they're not going to be saved from the fire of Jahannam. So whatever actions we do, it has to be, the ending of that should be fear. Fear of rejection, fear of not being accepted. Uh, Habib ibn Thabit narrates that Urwa ibn Amr said, تُعْرَضُ عَلَيْهِ ذُنُوبُهُ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَ فَيَمُرُّ بِالذَّنْبِ مِنْ ذُنُوبِ يَقُولْ أَمَا إِنِّي كُنْتُ مِنْكَ مُشْفِقًا فَيُغْفَرُ لَهُ a person's sins will be presented before him on the day of judgment. He will be passing by one of his sins because Allah will give it shape and form. The sins will be given shape and forms. Okay? On the day of judgment. So, like you have today, uh, sound waves, the way they are measured, and, and the light is measured. So many things that are usually in the past were not able measurable are now measured. Millions and thousands of different things are, are now measured, subhanAllah, in so many different ways. Right? Look at brain waves and all sorts of stuff. So similarly, how this happens, it's easy you know, for Allah to do that. That the sins will be given a shape and form and the person will be looking at that representation of his sin. And he will say, I was afraid you would show up. I was very afraid. I was afraid. You know, we try, how, how long you can hide a sin? Eventually it's going to come up. So he said, I was afraid you're going to show up. Then he will be forgiven. Because of the fact that he, he's saying to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that I was always afraid of this sin of mine. Right? That this will, this will become the means of him being forgiven. 
Abu, Abu Imran Tujabi narrated he heard Abu Ayyub al-Ansari radiyallahu anhu saying inna rajula la ya'malu al-hasanata fayattakilu alayha wa ya'malu al-muhaqqarat hatta ya'tiya Allah wa qad huzir kada qal wa inna rajula la ya'malu sayyya fayufraqu binha hatta ya'tiya Allah amina someone does a good action and then he relies on that that alhamdulillah I'm in good shape I've done so many good deeds or specifically one good deed and he's relying on that good deed however he does many petty sins what is muhaqqara? These sins that you never thought were big, but they were sins nonetheless. Right? Kept on doing these petty sins until he comes to Allah surrounded by these sins. Although they were small and petty apparently, but eventually if you do too many of them, they'll, they'll, they, they will add up. And he, he, he also said that on the other, another person, he commits a sin which terrifies him so much. And every time he's in a masjid, he's crying and he's remorseful over a sin he's done 15 years ago, 10 years ago, 5 years ago. It's that one sin that keeps on haunting him. Right? He said another person commits a sin which terrifies him so much and then he comes to Allah in salvation. So what happened? The fear of this horrible sin got him into paradise. And the relaxation and the uh, reliance upon his once good, amazing good deed gets him to hellfire. Because he's not... He's, he's, just being, he's just not being cautious enough. A man narrated that Hassan radiallahu anhu said about the words of Almighty Allah, Ud'uni, it's just calling us to a yearning and, awe and humbling themselves. Yad'unahu tadarra'an wa khufya. He's al-khawfu da'im fil qalb. It is constant fear in the heart. A person will be able to call out to Allah in yearning and awe, as the verse mentions in the Quran, if long, as long as there is a constant fear in, in the heart. This is the key thing. Another very famous hadith of Rasulullah Shaddad ibn Aus narrates, Al-Kayyisu man dana nafsahu. The intelligent one is the one who subdues himself. Dana nafsahu. Dana means to, uh, the, 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 to subdue, to put under your foot. Right, nafsahu, his own self, the inner self that pushes you to sin. The intelligent person is the one who controls his nafs. The nafs says, go this direction. He says, nope, I'm not going to go. I'm going to go the opposite direction. And continues to work for the life of the hereafter. And the powerless one, the fool, is the one who follows his ego, ego's passions. And while relying upon Allah Almighty and exalted. He's got nothing to rely upon. If you're following your nafs, what are you relying upon Allah? Nothing. And so nafs is what destroys a person. So the idea here is, intelligence comes when you're, when you're pushing, or put your foot down on your nafs and prepare for the hereafter. Um, and so Ramadan fast is really about that. It's about depriving the, the self basic needs of life. When everyone else is enjoying it all day. And we're constantly saying no to ourselves for 14, 16 hours every single day. The goal is to chisel away and hammer at the nafs that it becomes weak. And once the nafs becomes so weak that it's feeble and is no longer capable of pushing us to sin. Fully at least. If it does, you can just say shoo it away. Like a child that keeps on becoming naughty and demanding and you keep on reprimanding. You say, no, stop demanding this. You're not going to get it. Well, that's what the nafs needs. And that's why fasting even outside of Ramadan on a regular basis twice a week or a minimum three times a month is very beneficial to subdue that nafs. So at the end of the, of the day, every single day at the time of iftar, all of us should feel our nafs being weaker. 
And as the days and the tent goes by, we should continuously feel our soul becoming stronger and the nafs becoming weaker. If we don't feel that, then there's probably one very obvious reason. It should be. How could it not be? It's like you're blowing air, you're pumping air into the tire, and you said, I've been here for three minutes, and the tire is as empty as it was when I came to the shop. It can't be. There's something, you know, you can hear the machine running, air is coming, what's going on? Obviously, then there's a very major leak. That's the only explanation. So if a person has a leak in himself, meaning he doesn't guard his gaze and eyes from looking at that which is forbidden. He does not gaze, his, he does not protect his ears from listening to that which is forbidden. He doesn't protect his tongue from speaking that which is forbidden. He doesn't stop his mind from contemplating on those thoughts which are forbidden. He doesn't protect his mouth from consuming those things which are forbidden. He doesn't protect his hands and feet from walking or touching those things which are forbidden. These are all major holes. Then no matter how many years a person will fast, his nafs will be as is. Because the fasting, as Abu Hurairah says, that the fasting is not the fasting from food and drink. The real fast is the fast of the eyes, the tongue, and the ears, and the limbs of the body. You know the gist of what he said, Abu Hurairah That's a real fast. And so this is what should be the goal you and I have every day. Now we're already past 10 days. In the remaining uh, 18, 19 days that we have, we have to make sure that the eyes, ears, tongue, mind, hands, feet, all of these are protected as well. Then that will weaken the nafs and it will be much easier for us to lead a life of a uh, strong believer. I ask Allah Azza wa to grant this type of fast to all of us. And may He truly give us the power to subdue our nafs. May He protect our eyes and ears from haram. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to have that level. This is a beautiful dua. Look at this. Allahumma inni as'aluka min khashiyatika ma tahulu bihi baynana wa bayna ma'asik. Oh Allah, I ask you for that level of fear. Oh Allah, I ask you for that level of fear of yours, which will become a barrier between me and your sins. That's what we need. We need that. If we say, I fear Allah, but if it doesn't, if it doesn't keep you and I from sin, well, that doesn't count. You need that amount of fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that will keep you away from sin. And I ask you for that level of obedience which will get me to your paradise. And O Allah, I ask you for that level of conviction which will make it easy for me to handle the difficulties of this world. So this is a prophetic, beautiful dua in the book Al-Hizbul A'zam Wal-Wirdul Afkham. Small dua book you can find in the bookstall there outside. And you can get a PDF as well. It's got you know, hundreds of duas of the Prophet ﷺ. We should make a point to read one section every single day. Every single day, read it in English, read it in Urdu, read it in Arabic, just read through that. These are prophetic, powerful du'as that are very comprehensive. And inshallah, if every day we read through this, we'll, every week we'll cover a couple hundred du'as, and hopefully these, all these du'as will be accepted. And in the blessed month of Ramadan, we will be able to not only ask our own, for our own needs, but ask for the needs, uh, not only our own needs will come to our mind, but ask for those things which Rasulullah has taught us to ask. Inshallah, we'll do dhikr for a few minutes, and then we'll head downstairs for iftar, and then we'll do dua from here. Uh, iftar today is at 7.20. La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. La ilaha illallah, la ilaha illallah, la ilaha illallah, la ilaha illallah. 
بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم انت السلام ومنك السلام وتبارك ذا الجلال والاكرام اللهم لك الحمد كله ولك الشكر كله اللهم لا نحصي ثناء عليك انت كما اثنيت على نفسك لا اله الا هو الحليم الكريم سبحان الله رب العرش العظيم والحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم انا نسالك موجبات رحمتك وعزائم مغفرتك والغنيمه من كل بر والسلامه من كل اثم اللهم لا تدع لنا في مقامنا هذا ذنبا الا غفرته ولا هما الا فرجته ولا مريضا الا شفيته ولا دينا الا قضيته ولا ضالا الا هديته ولا سائلا الا اعطيته ولا حاجه من حوائج الدنيا والاخره هي لك رضا ولنا فيها صلاح الا اعنتنا وسرتها لنا يا ارحم الراحمين اللهم ربنا ظلمنا انفسنا وان لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين اللهم ربنا اتينا في الدنيا حسنه وفي الاخره حسنه وقنا عذاب النار رب اغفر وارحم وتجاوز عما تعلم انك انت العز الاكرم رب اغفر لنا وارحمنا واعف عنا وارزقنا واجبرنا اللهم يا حي يا قيوم إنا نسألك العفو والعافية والمعافاة الدائمة في الدين والدنيا والآخرة اللهم إنا نسألك الشكر على العافية اللهم إنا نسألك دوام العافية اللهم إنا نسألك دوام العافية اللهم إنا نسألك تمام العافية اللهم اغفر لنا ذنوبنا وإسرافنا في أمرنا وثبت أقدامنا وانصرنا على قوم الكافرين اللهم يا مقلب القلوب اللهم يا مصرف القلوب اللهم يا مقلب القلوب ثبت قلوبنا على دينك اللهم يا مقلب القلوب صرف قلوبنا إلى طاعتك اللهم أقبل بوجوهنا إليك اللهم أقبل بوجوهنا إليك اللهم خذ بنواصينا إلى الخير اللهم خذ بنواصينا إلى الخير اللهم خذ بنواصينا الخير اللهم زكي أنفسنا أنت خير من زكاها أنت وليها ومولاها اللهم زكي أنفسنا أنت خير من زكاها أنت وليها ومولاها اللهم نسألك رضاك والجنة وما قرب إليها من قول أو عمل ونعوذ بك من سخطك والنار وما قرب إليها من قول أو عمل اللهم نسألك توفيق أهل الهدى وأعمال أهل اليقين اللهم وفقنا لما تحب وترضى من القول والعمل والفعل والنية والهدى إنك على كل شيء قدير اللهم اشفنا اللهم اشفنا اللهم اشفنا واشف مرضانا ومرضى المسلمين اللهم ارحمنا وارحم أمة الأمة محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم اللهم اغفر لأمة محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ما تقدم من ذنبها وما تأخر وما أسرت وما أعلنت اللهم تجاوز عن أمة محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم اللهم أكرم أمة محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم اللهم انصر أمة محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم اللهم من أراد بالإسلام ونصيب من خيرا فوفق لكل خير ومن أراد بالإسلام ونصيب من الشرا فاجعل كيده في نحره رب ارحمهما كما ربياني صغيرا رب ارحمهما كما ربياني صغيرا رب ارحمهما كما ربياني صغيرا ربنا هب لنا من أزواجنا وذرياتنا قرة أعين وجعلنا للمتقين إماما يا الله we ask you to accept our duas accept our dhikr accept our sitting in the masjid waiting from one salah to the other oh Allah we ask you to grant all of us the tawfiq to lead a life that is pleasing to you oh Allah we ask you ya Allah that our hearts and our nafs ya Allah that you make it completely subdued in the manner that you would like it to be. O oh Allah, allow us all to lead a life in a manner that is in accordance to the sunnah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. O Allah, we have so many intentions. Every one of us wants to make the most of this Ramadan. All, already a third has gone. O oh Allah, we ask you to accept whatever little we've been able to accomplish in the first third. O oh Allah, O oh Allah, we ask you to allow us to accomplish the unthinkable in the remaining 20 days or less. O oh Allah, allow us to accomplish more than we've done in our life. Allow us to utilize this remaining days and nights of Ramadan in a manner that we have not been able to use Ramadan in the past. O oh Allah, give us, Ya Allah, ya Allah loads and tons of, taqw- of, 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 of tawfiq, Ya Allah. O oh Allah, inspire us, inspire us to utilize our nights and days in a manner that is, in, that is pleasing to you. O oh Allah, allow us to make the most use of our day and, and night, Ya Allah. O oh Allah, oh Allah if, if save us from wasting our time. Save us from not utilizing our time in the most fruitful manner. O oh Allah, save our, our, all of our limbs from any and all type of sin. O oh Allah, allow, allow us to fast from every portion of our limb, uh, Ya Allah, and allow us to, Ya Allah, be doing dhikr continuously, Ya Allah. Allow us to to have a heart that is filled with your fear and your muhabba. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma sifoon. Wa salamun ala al-mursaleen. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Ameen.